0: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blend is producing, Sam Maupin, engineering. Today we'll hear from Eric Metaxas, author of Is Atheism Dead? The book is published by Salem Books and he'll join the program in the second hour. So we'll start out with uh, taking a look at some of the news. Well, The last day to register to vote for the general election is drawing near. Uh, The last day for any new Oregon voters to register for the November 8th general election is October 18th, 5 o'clock p.m., and postmarks do count. Voter registration cards can be found at the county clerk's office and area post offices. Online registration is also available at OregonVotes.gov for those who have an Oregon DMV number and if you have a change of name or address you have to submit a new voter registration card as ballots do not get forwarded absentee ballots are only needed if you're going to be out of uh, out of town away from your home at the time Oregonians are voting ballots are going to be mailed off to all active registered voters in the uh, in the state between the 19th of October and the 25th individuals should wait until the 28th to connect with the uh, Clerk's office, if you haven't uh, received your ballot and you believe it to be missing. Again, you have until the 18th to actually register to vote, and that would apply if you have a name or address uh, update for the November election, November 8th. So that's coming up. Well, covering the news from the last uh, few days, Kanye West is battling a bad rap. He defended White Lives Matter, the shirt he wore in a widely wide ranging exclusive interview with Tucker Carlson on Thursday and something hit the fan on the cost of crime. Lawlessness in America is top of mind for voters as murders uh, rise and the September job market is on track to cool from a frenzied pace on groundbreaking reform. Arizona families keep winning on school choice and more states need to follow their lead undermining reliability, the president continues to weaken the domestic energy industry despite requests for foreign oil. Venezuela, the latest target. Not backing down, Herschel Walker says that he's not deterred after allegations he paid for his girlfriend's abortion. And that election will be rather interesting to watch. Clearing a pathway after the DACA defeat, Democrats are ramping up pressure on Senate Republicans to move on amnesty. Scores of witnesses... A Las Vegas strip stabbing suspect has been booked for murder following the daytime attack in a tourist area. Well, President Biden looked to Russia, uh, Russian allied communist Venezuela for oil production. The Washington Examiner reports that Republicans took aim at the president following reports that he's considering providing significant sanctions relief to Venezuela's government in order to allow Chevron to resume pumping oil there, clearing the way for the resumption of crude exports. To the West. According to the proposed deal, the president, the administration, would grant sanctions relief to Venezuelan President Nicolas uh, Maduro uh, on the condition that he resumes long stalled uh, talks with political opposition on conditions needed to hold free and fair presidential elections in 2024. The proposal comes, uh, or rather came, one day after OPEC plus members announced that they would cut oil production by 2 million barrels every day. Delivering a significant blow to the Biden administration, which had lobbied extensively for the oil producers not to reduce their output and squeeze the energy markets further. David Harsanyi weighs in, pointing out that Keystone XL was scheduled to open in a few months. Seems like a. Uh, such a thing might have been useful. And Guy Benson, the president, has been frantically emptying the strategic reserve here at home, which is meant for real emergencies, not political ones. And now he's apparently prepared to let Maduro and his communist brethren ramp up their production, too. This White House has been openly hostile to U.S. production from day one, and that dogmatic intransigence is having an impact. GOP Senator Ben Sass is expected to resign to take a position at the University of Florida. The senator uh, who frequently clashed with former President Donald Trump, who won a second term in 2020, not Trump, Senator Sass is expected to resign before the end of the year. Sass is expected to exit the Senate to take a new job leading the University of Florida, the source said. The senator and the university confirmed that Sass is in talks for the top job there after news broke on Thursday. Politico says that the Nebraska governor, Pete Ricketts, would then appoint a replacement for Sass under state law, with a seat then up for special election in 2024. One of the people familiar with Sass's plans says Ricketts himself is viewed as a potential appointee, for the seat eligible Californians will receive about $1500 to help address rising costs well millions of qualifying Californians will receive um, I should say $1050 as part of the state's middle class tax refund program starting last week Well, the first round of payments are set uh, were set to go out on Friday approximately 23 million tax paying California residents were eligible to receive the payments with smaller payments going to higher earners. The payments, which are technically tax refunds, are meant to help address rising costs, according to the governor. Uh, to be eligible, you must have filed your 2020 tax return by last October and make less than $150,000 a year. If you're eligible, there's no action to take. You'll receive a payment automatically without an application process. California will start handing out the uh, $1,050 stimulus payments to residents Uh, On Friday of last week to combat inflation, handing out free money to millions of residents will undoubtedly increase inflation. However, Latino voters have flipped on Democrats. National Review reports that questions remain, however, about just how far the GOP's inroads can go with the Hispanic community. Republicans have been predicting a Latino realignment toward the GOP for decades. Ronald Reagan famously declared that Latinos are Republican. They just don't know it yet. We're going to take a quick break um, and when we return, we'll continue to march our way through news headlines and uh, want to remind you that Eric Metaxas will show up. That's coming up in the second hour. Also a reminder that Mark Schultz benefit concert for stand up girls is coming up. That's Friday, October 21st. 7 o'clock p.m. at Manahouse Church in Northeast Portland. For all the important details, go to kpdq.com.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
1: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, about 19 minutes after 4 o'clock. I can say that because my clock now tells the correct time. Sam Maupin is engineering, James Blend producing today's program, and coming up later in the program, Eric Metaxas, his book, Is Atheism Dead? Also want to extend an invitation to Pathway Clinic's Fall Banquet Gala that's coming up tomorrow night. Uh, we want to invite you to join uh, me at the Pathways uh, for Hope Fall Banquet Gala to benefit their clinic tomorrow night with guests, uh, special guest speaker, Governor Mike Huckabee. For 28 years, Pathway has provided loving care, support to help people make life-affirming decisions. Enjoy an evening of fun fellowship fundraising to support this worthy ministry. Go to kpdq.com for all the important Details. Great ministry. Looking forward to uh, tomorrow tonight. Tomorrow night. Well, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has declared DACA unlawful. Uh, Federal appeals court declared Wednesday that the Obama Biden era deferred action for childhood arrivals programs was illegal, dealing a major blow to the initiative that allowed illegal migrants who came to the United States as children to escape deportation. The uh, ruling by the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals also sent the case back to U.S. District Judge Andrew Hannon for further consideration, temporarily leaving DACA in place for current beneficiaries. In a statement, the president called the decision unlawful and urged Congress to make permanent legislative protections to help more than 600,000 currently protected by DACA. I am disappointed in today's 5th Circuit decision holding the DACA is unlawful. The court's stay provides a temporary reprieve for DACA recipients, but one thing remains clear. The lives of dreamers remain in limbo, the president went on to say under the current set of decisions and with the case now sent back to the district court, DACA can accept no new applicants from recipients. Um, They'll be allowed to renew their applications. DACA enrolls some 600,000 people commonly referred to as dreamers who were illegally brought to the U.S. as children. President Biden pardoned all federal offenses pertaining to the possession of marijuana. The move comes just before the tightly contested midterm elections. President Biden is pardoning all prior federal offenses of simple possession of marijuana. The White House announced on Thursday, although senior officials stressed to reporters that there are currently no people currently in federal prisons solely for simple possession of marijuana. Not sure what the point is. The president is also asking the Health and Human Services Secretary to review how marijuana is classified under federal law. In addition, the president is urging all governors to pardon state offenses of simple marijuana possession. Liberals have long pressed the president to legalize cannabis. The announcement, which falls short of um, legalization, comes barely a month out from a competitive midterm election that will determine control of the House and the Senate. Was it a cynical political ploy? We'll leave that an open question. More than 6,500 individuals with prior convictions for simple marijuana possession were impacted by the pardons, a White House official said, and thousands more through pardons under D.C. law. The pardons will not be extended to those who weren't U.S. citizens and were illegally in the country at the time of their arrest. Federal agents believe they have enough evidence to charge Hunter Biden with tax crimes and falsifying statements. Federal agents investigating the president's son have gathered what they believe is sufficient evidence to charge him with tax crimes and a false statement related to a gun purchase, according to those familiar with the case. The next step is for the U.S. attorney in Delaware, a Trump administration holdover, to decide on whether to file such charges. My guess would be. Charges will not be filed. I could be wrong. An indictment against Hunter Biden would mark the biggest test yet of the president's pledge to restore independence and public trust in the Justice Department. Spencer Brown says that it remains to be seen whether Hunter Biden is actually charged based on the supposedly sufficient information to support charges and whether he receives preferential treatment due to his family and the position of his father as uh, supposed leader of the free world. End quote. Well, squad member Corey Bush goes all in on the defund police movement. Uh, the Congresswoman uh, continues to lead the defund the police charge despite Democrats largely stepping away from such rhetoric amid the current crime crisis. During an, an interview with CNN host Don Lemon, Bush said she does not believe progressives went uh, too far by advocating taking money away from police departments when riots were breaking out in cities across the country. RNC Research says CNN's Don Lemon, if you could do it again, would you still double down or use that slogan, defund the police? The representative said, absolutely. Jason Rance uh, says that Representative Cory Bush uh, continues to defend the deadly defund police policies. Peloton is planning to cut 500 additional jobs to keep the company from going under, The Wall Street Journal reports that Peloton Interactive Inc. said it plans to cut about 500 jobs, roughly 12 percent of its remaining workforce, in the company's fourth round of layoffs this year, as the connected fitness equipment maker tries to reverse mounting losses. The pandemic did them well. Post-pandemic, not so much. Chief Executive Barry McCarthy, who took over in February, said he's giving the unprofitable company about another six months to significantly turn itself around. And if it fails, Peloton likely isn't a viable as a standalone company. The job reductions announced to staff on Thursday will leave Peloton with roughly 3,800 employees globally, less than half the number of people the company employed at its peak Last year, it also has eliminated about 600 more jobs since June that previously disclosed through retail store closings, attrition and other moves, Peloton said. In a memo shared with CNN Business, McCarthy told employees that this is a necessary step if we are going to save Peloton and we are. He added that its retail operations has lost more than $100 million last year. The company announced in August that it was closing a substantial amount of its 86 retail stores in North America. Offering a trans defense, a Seattle hacker gets probation due to his, her mental health and transgender status. End quote. A former Seattle tech worker uh, convicted of several charges related to a massive hack of Capital One Bank and other companies in 2019 was sentenced on Tuesday to time served and five years of probation. U.S. District Judge Robert Laznick said sentencing former Amazon software imp- engineer Paige Thompson to time in prison would have been particularly difficult on her because of her mental health and transgender status, the Department of Justice said in a statement. Thompson, 37, obtained the personal information of over 100 million people, a data breach that prompted Capital One to reach a $190 million settlement with affected customers. The Treasury Department fined the company $80 million for failing to protect the data. Thompson uploaded some of that data to her personal GitHub site, which uh, is how she got caught. Someone noticed the data and notified Capital One that it was out there. Capital One verified it was their data and contacted the FBI. Thompson never sold or profited from the stolen data, but the complaint uh, noted that she apparently intended to do so. But time served for mental health and transgender status reasons. The September jobs report, the jobs numbers in September were short of the two hundred and seventy five thousand projection coming in at two hundred and sixty three thousand added. Meanwhile, the headline unemployment rate came up, came in at about three point five percent less than the forecasted number of three point seven percent. Yet that's because labor force participation dropped down to 62.3% as the number of labors decreased by 57,000. Despite the number of workers hired, the number of job openings remains high, leaving an average of 1.7 jobs open per available worker. This demand for workers has helped to increase hourly wages, which are now on average 5% higher than they were at this time last year. However, the wage increase is still not caught up with the inflation rate, which stubbornly remains at a 40-year high of 8.3%. The Federal Reserve is expected to continue raising interest rates in an effort to bring down inflation, which Fed Chairman Jerome Powell acknowledged will likely bring some pain economically. The Fed is anticipating the unemployment rate to rise as high as 4.4 percent in 2023 as a result. Long story short, the economy isn't all that great. And Louisiana has divested from BlackRock, the state of Louisiana whose economy relies heavily on the fossil fuel industry, alerted the large banking firm and investment company BlackRock that it will be divesting from the company's investment portfolio. The reason has everything to do with BlackRock pushing leftist anti-fossil fuel policies under its so-called environmental, social and governance or ESG standards. As Louisiana treasurer... Uh, John Schroeder explained in his letter to BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, your blatantly anti-fossil fuel policies would destroy Louisiana's economy. This divestment is necessary to protect Louisiana from actions and policies that would actively seek to hamstring our fossil fuel sector. In my opinion, your support of ESG investing is inconsistent with the best economic interest and values of Louisiana. I cannot support an institution that would deny our state the benefit of one of its most robust assets. Simply put, we cannot be part of the crippling of our own economy, end quote. Well, the fossil fuel industry accounts for 8.1 percent of the state's total GDP, BlackRock has been one of the leading companies pushing the leftist ESG standards as it seeks to force Western nations into transitioning to net zero carbon emission economies. Louisiana is following the lead of West Virginia, which this past summer became the first state to counter banks pushing ESG policies. Several other states are considering similar measures. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
1: We're back 34 minutes after four o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, a whistleblower claims hundreds of FBI employees resigned amid sexual misconduct allegations, and a Colorado baker is fighting a ruling over a gender transition cake, the never-ending persecution of Jack Phillips. Well, the West Virginia Supreme Court overturned a circuit court's decision to block their school choice program, and a judge blocked New York's ban on guns in Times Square and other sensitive locations. In quotes, sensitive locations, electric vehicles are exploding after water damage from Hurricane Ian. A former cop attacked a Thai daycare center, killing at least 36, among them children. Well, as I mentioned, electric vehicles are exploding from water damage after Hurricane Ian, according to top Florida officials. Uh, the official said uh, that firefighters have battled a number of fires caused by electric vehicles or EV batteries waterlogged from Hurricane Ian. The batteries that have been waterlogged in the wake of the hurricane are at risk of corrosion, which would lead to unexpected fires, according to the official. Democrat Senate candidate Fetterman's string of verbal misfires following a stroke is fueling questions on the campaign trail. He, of course, is running against Senate candidate Dr. Oz. Russia's revenge. Ukrainian cities, including Kiev, have been rocked uh, rocketed rather by missile strikes in what may be retaliation for a bridge bombing earlier in the weekend. Equity obsessed education. Biden's Department of Education is focusing on a woke agenda amid catastrophic reading scores. And not-so-friendly skies. The Blue Angels' scheduled show in San Francisco for Fleet Week was canceled on Sunday due to weather conditions, and one Democrat city council member suggested the planes not be permitted in the city's skies. District 5 Supervisor Dean Preston, a self-described Democratic socialist, said the planes should be banned from the city's airspace. He didn't explain why he doesn't want the U.S. Navy flight demonstration squadron to fly over San Francisco. In a crime crisis uh, hitting home, Two teens were injured in a drive-by shooting attack outside Republican New York gubernatorial candidate hopeful Lee Zeldin's home. In a late-term controversy, Arizona Democrat gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs appears to support abortion up to birth. One secure candidate, Stacey Abrams' campaign, has spent over $1.2 million on private security since December. She sits on the boards, or at least she did until her candidacy, Uh, that support defunding the police. But, of course, if you can afford your own private security, I suppose you don't need the police. In a recession prediction, Larry Summers says, more likely than not, there will be a recession within 18 months. I thought we were already in one. Well, consider tweaks. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker recently acknowledged that changes to the language of the controversial SAFE-T Act, that's the word safe and then the letter T, Act, which eliminates cash bail and makes changes to policing, might need uh, to be made tweaked just a little bit following the public outcry across the state. But one crime expert says that just isn't enough. Seniors benefits, a Social Security COLA, cost of living update, is uh, coming this week and it could be huge. Healthy questions. Three key things women of all ages should ask before their mammograms. One, do I have an increased risk of breast cancer? Two, how can I reduce my risk for breast cancer? And three, will my mammogram be three-dimensional, 3D, or two-dimensional, 2D? Doctors recommend 3D mammography over 2D because multiple images are taken from different angles, which may make uh, the tissue analysis clearer. Something to think about. The Uvalde school district suspended the entire police force. Reuters reports that the school district in Uvalde, Texas, suspended the entire police force on Friday, pending the outcome of a probe following the mass shooting in May that killed 19 students and two teachers the district said in a statement. The police force consisted of five officers and one security guard, according to its website. The department's suspension comes one day after the firing of Crimson El- Elizondo, the officer who was hired by Uvalde school district despite being under investigation for her conduct as a DPS trooper during the massacre. Elizondo was the first DPS member to enter the hallway at Rob after the shooter gained entry. PayPal on finding people Uh, For misinformation says this language was never intended to be inserted into our policy. PayPal has backtracked on a published policy that would have fined users twenty five hundred dollars for spreading misinformation in quotes, claiming the update had gone out of in error. A uh, AUP notice uh, recently went out in error that included incorrect information. PayPal is not finding people for misinformation, and this language was never intended to be inserted in our policy. Our teams are working to correct our policy pages. We're sorry for the confusion this has caused, a spokesperson told National Review in a written statement. The course reversal comes after the policy changes had started to attract media scrutiny as well as criticism on Twitter, Former PayPal president David Marcus even blasted the company over the implication it could seize customers' money for finding their views objectionable. The announcement and reversal comes days after PayPal canceled three accounts linked to Toby Young, a commentator who runs a nonprofit called Free Speech Union. The organization has defended clients such as actor and comedian Russell Brand. So it was mistakenly put in the language, but they did actually practice withholding funds from at least... One customer, one client. Vanderbilt University has suspended gender affirmation surgery for minors. The so Vanderbilt University Medical Center is suspending all permanent gender affirmation surgery for minors until further notice. The International Medical Center will forego performing any surgeries for children that cannot be undone or reverted later in life pending an internal review. The statement comes in relation Two calls from Tennessee lawmakers to investigate the clinic following a report from conservative activist Matt Walsh. Walsh, who has championed the cause of protecting gender dysphoric children from dangerous and irreversible procedures, including amputation, sterilization, and chemical and surgical castration, welcomed the news. Today is an enormous victory in the battle to protect children from mutilation and abuse, Walsh said. Governor Bill Lee, who should not allow permanent life-altering decisions that hurt children, With the partnership of the General Assembly, this practice should end in Tennessee. An explosion triggered a partial breakdown of a Russian bridge. The explosion Saturday caused the partial collapse of a bridge linking the Crimean Peninsula with Russia, damaging an important supply artery for the Kremlin's faltering war in southern Ukraine and hitting a towering symbol of Russian power in the region. Nobody immediately claimed responsibility for the blast, which killed three people. The speaker of the Russian-backed regional parliament in Crimea accused Ukraine, but Moscow didn't. Portion blame the explosion, which Russian authorities said was caused by a truck bomb, risked a, a sharp escalation in the Russian eight-month war. With some Russian lawmakers calling for President Vladimir Putin to declare a counter-terrorism operation, shedding the term "special military operation" that had downplayed the scope of fighting to ordinary Russians. Max Seddon points out that an explosion tore across Russian bridge across the Kerch Strait in Crimea in the early mornings of Thursday morning. The bridge is an important conduit for Russian supply routes in Ukraine and a huge source of Putin's prestige. This is hugely damaging. North Korea fired two more ballistic missiles into the sea. They fired the missiles early on Sunday, Japanese authorities said, marking the seventh such launch from Pyongyang in recent days. A series of exercises that has sparked widespread alarm in both Washington and Tokyo. Both fell outside Japan's exclusive economic zone. The U.S. military said it was closely consulting with allies and partners following the launches, which is said highlighted the destabilizing impact of the North Korean nuclear arms and ballistic missile programs. The drills involved the nuclear-powered aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan and its battle group, which returned to the area after North Korea fired a powerful missile over Japan last week to protest the carrier group's previous training in South Korea. On Saturday, North Korea's defense minister warned that the Reagan um, uh, redeployment was causing a considerably huge negative splash in regional security. The North's defense ministry called its recent missile tests a righteous reaction to intimidating military drills between South Korea and the United States. New York, a self-proclaimed sanctuary state, claims they did not ask for migrants as they declared a state of emergency. Well, neither did Texas or any of the other border states who have significantly higher numbers. Well, New York City uh, Mayor Eric Adams has declared a state of emergency in the city due to the influx of migrants being bused there by border state governors. He's really angry about it, too. After all, when New York City declared itself a sanctuary city, they assumed that virtue signaling would, well, have no cost. Eric Adams uh, on New York City's migrant crisis. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. Welcome to the world of border states. The New York Post weighs in. Two planes, each carrying about 24 24 unaccompanied minors, arrived in Orange County Airport in Montgomery at about 6 p.m. Friday, County Executive Steve Newhouse said upon landing, the kids were put on shuttle buses and sent to locations in New York City, Kingston and Poughkeepsie. According to Newhouse, both the buses and flights were chartered by the feds. Chinese President Xi Jinping is preparing to be elected to a third term after abolishing term limits. President Xi kicked off the final meeting of China's top leaders days before the opening of a uh, twice-a-decade Communist Party Congress that's set to hand him a landmark third term in power. The closed-door gathering of the roughly 370 members and alternative members of the Central Committee began on Sunday in Beijing. International Business Times points out that Xi's ardent supporters want him declared at the party's Congress as lifelong leader, but there will be strong pulls and pressures at the highest echelons of the party power structure, and Xi might be forced to make compromises the consensus as of now is that g will complete another 5 year term however there is a faction that uh, doubts if g will invariably complete a full third term and while he was uh Uh, consultative and accommodative during his first term. The second term was marked by a more dominant independent streak. While he prepares to start a third term, Xi has become simply all powerful. The term limit was abolished through a constitutional amendment in 2018, enabling Xi to seek a third term. All of that happening now in China. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
1: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. 51 minutes after four o'clock. I love giving the time. Makes you feel so official. Hey, want to give you an announcement. The Pastor Appreciation Breakfast. This is, of course, Clergy Appreciation Month. And we're not going to be outdone. KPDQ is going to sponsor the Pastor Appreciation Breakfast. That's coming up. Well, November the 3rd at KPDQ. We want to honor and thank the amazing local pastors, ministry leaders and spouses for their faithful service at our pastor appreciation breakfast. That's coming up Thursday, November 3rd at 8 a.m. at the embassy suites in Portland at the airport. Uh, There's going to be a fabulous breakfast fellowship. I've been invited to lead worship and provide some music along with my sister and husband, Mr. Dan Rice. And uh, an uplifting message from Pastor Alan Jackson. The event is absolutely free, but space is limited. You need to have reservations, so reserve your spot today and spread the word so uh, we get to honor as many church leaders as possible. Go to kpdq.com for all the important details. Also, a reminder coming up in the second hour, is atheism dead? Eric Metaxas will talk about that. Well, the Iranian regime has killed at least 185 people since protests started, according to Human Rights Group. A National Review points out a human rights group said at least 185 have been killed so far in the demonstrations there, including at least 19 children. Protests have taken place in response to the death of a 22-year-old woman in police custody last month, while Iranian officials have said... Amini died of a heart attack. Her family says she was severely beaten while in custody. A lawyer for the family said respectable doctors believe she was beaten while in custody. Her death has sparked weeks of protests across Iran in which some women have burned their hijabs and publicly chopped off their hair. At least 185 killed in the protests across the country, the Human Rights Group said following the death of the young woman. Representative Jim Jordan is not in favor of renewing FISA due to dubious politics surrounding the Steele dossier, uh, Representative Jordan suggested Congress should refuse to reauthorize the National Security Surveillance Authorization when the issue comes up next year. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, which created a framework for physical and electronic surveillance and collection of foreign intelligence information, came up in a broader discussion about frustrations Republicans have with the FBI, with allevi- allegations rather of... A partisanship at the Bureau and plans to consider major changes at the Justice Department. Allies of former President Donald Trump have demanded FISA reform after Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz released a report in 2019 that criticized the Justice Department and the FBI for at least 17 significant errors and omissions related to the FISA surveillance of Trump campaign associate Carter Page, a U.S. citizen who was Suspected of acting on Russia's behalf, but never charged with wrongdoing and its heavy reliance on British ex-spy Christopher Steele's salacious and unverified dossier in seeking that um, spy authorization from the FISA court. Jim Jordan claims the FBI is very politicized and President Biden is quietly flying migrant miners around the country. Democrats and um, the media cohorts lost their collective minds after Florida Governor DeSantis flew 48 illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard in a move designed to highlight the massive border crisis The president's non-enforcement policy has created in border states. They tied themselves in knots, claiming that DeSantis' actions were inhumane, even as every single one of the 48 illegals was removed from the island in less than 48 hours. When Governor DeSantis countered that he was simply offering the illegals the opportunity to travel to sanctuary states, as Democrats themselves had advertised, a common retort was that he should have at least alerted Martha's venue first. Yet the president's Department of Homeland Security has made a regular practice of flying thousands to cities and towns across the country without alerting local authorities. In fact, to make matters worse, the administration has been distributing not only illegal adults, but also unaccompanied migrant children. The small town of Montgomery, New York, recently received an anonymous flight of these unaccompanied migrant children to its little Orange County airport. Never seen anything like this before, marveled Mayor Steve Brasilla. They thought that the village or town knew about it and we knew nothing and there wasn't much we could do about it, unfortunately, but just a little forewarning, a little information would have helped us considerably. Well, the only reason uh, that he learned about the flight was thanks to a uh, resident reporting a suspicious activity at the airport. We're being dumped on and uh, we're not going to put up with it, the mayor further noted. The taxpayers cannot absorb what they did to us. Meanwhile, New York City's Democrat Mayor Eric Adams declared a state of emergency after 17,000 asylum seekers have come into the city over the last several months, which is a, a significantly smaller number than border states are seeing on a regular basis. The Pentagon chief has sanctioned name changes for military bases. In the latest example of the injection of uh, wokeism into the U.S. military, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has signed off on a plan to rename bases bearing the moniker of famed Confederate bases that uh, fall under the renaming plan, including Army's Fort Bragg and Fort Hood, following a a report rather that uh, was produced 18 months after Congress mandated a naming commission to review problematic names, a report that unsurprisingly recommended stripping any reference to Confederates. Austin concurred and ordered renaming the bases as soon as possible. The Rainbow Mafia is still after the uh, that Christian Baker. The U.S. Supreme Court sided with Uh, Baker Jack Phillips in 2018 and his lawsuit against the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which overtly targeted him for practicing his liberty, his religious liberty rights and refusing to bake specifically cakes for weddings. Even after the victory, however, those oh so tolerant um, would be cake customers uh, won't give up until they destroy him for refusing to adhere to their demands. The trouble was that the uh, Supreme Court offered only a narrow decision that didn't address the root of the issue, freedom of speech. Well, that issue has got to be addressed at some point, but whether or not Jack Phillips can survive it remains to be seen. It all began for him in 2017. An illegal immigrant from Guatemala stabbed eight people in Las Vegas, killing two PayPal is threatening $2,500 fines for promoting discriminatory intolerance, which they now say, well, that was never intended to be the case. Nike's co-founder has donated $1 million to the Republicans uh, running for governor here in the state of Oregon, Drazen. Latino L.A. Democrat council members are facing resignation calls for racist remarks that were recorded And in a strange story for a pro-abortion supporter, in an interview with PBS, Margaret Hoover, Representative Cori Bush, the Democrat from Missouri, one of the most progressive members of the House of Representatives, told the story of her second abortion, which she says was performed against her will at age 19. The congresswoman said that right before the procedure began, she began to have second thoughts. So I said, no, you know what? I'm not ready. And the nurse just said, you know. Uh, she wouldn't listen to me. They absolutely ignored me, even to the point of, you know, like, calm down as if I were the problem, recalled Bush, who said that she continued to tell the staff no as they performed the procedure itself. The congresswoman attributed ignoring of her pleas in part to racism, telling Hoover that I was a young black woman multiple times. I felt like I was, oh, well, we know better. We know better. The abortionist. You don't know what you need. You don't understand. We know better. Interestingly enough, Margaret Sanger would be thrilled at this account and the significant number of uh, African-American babies who are aborted uh, once again would carry out the very uh, thing that she had wanted all along. Very frustrating. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We've got news and traffic coming here at the top of the hour. And in the second hour, Eric Metaxas is atheism dead.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
1: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our next segment, a conversation I had with Eric Metaxas Is Atheism Dead? We'll also talk about uh, the United Methodist Church that is um, in slow motion breaking up and banks chasing religious organizations away. Well, we'll find out. What's happening? I want to remind you that you are, have a special invitation to travel with Alistair Begg on the Deeper Faith Mediterranean Cruise next summer. That's next summer, so there's time to save up. Plan your trip of a lifetime, a Mediterranean cruise of the on the Norwegian Cruise Line with your host, Pastor Alistair Begg. Now, I've been on that cruise with Pastor Alister Begg unbeatable. Explore this spectacular part of the world where the early church began to grow and where the Apostle Paul made many of his missionary journeys. Enjoy fellowship, friendship, and ministry with Pastor Beg. world-class dining and accommodations, and itinerary filled with magnificent churches, cathedrals, strolling old-world cobblestone streets, touring 16th century mansions, fortresses, and museums. Book your tickets and come along on this exciting voyage across the scenic Mediterranean Sea. The 26th Of August 2023 through September 4th. Details, you guessed it, at kpdq.com. Well, gender dysphoria diagnoses for children soared 70% in 2021, and puberty blocking drug companies are refusing to conduct safety trials. Vanderbilt University has halted transgender surgeries for minors, at least for now. And a woman, 23, who survived the 2016 Brussels airport ISIS bomb but couldn't live with the trauma has been euthanized in Belgium. Yes, she was perfectly healthy. She was just traumatized and depressed. A UN human rights body has rejected a Western bid to debate Xinjiang abuses. On this day in history, 1845, the U.S. Naval Academy is established in Annapolis, Maryland. 1913, the Panama Canal is effectively completed as President Woodrow Wilson sends a signal from the White House by telegraph, setting off explosives that destroyed a section of the Gamboa Dike. 1957, President Dwight D. Eisenhower apologizes to the finance minister of Gama, Kamala, let's see, Gebeg Dimna, or something very like that, after the official is refused seating in a Howard Johnson's restaurant near Dover, Delaware, 1957. 1962, President John F. Kennedy, responding to the thalidomide birth defects crisis, signs an amendment to the Federal Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act uh, requiring pharmaceutical companies to prove that their products are safe and effective prior to marketing. 1964, the first Summer Olympics to be held in Asia are opened in Tokyo by Japanese Emperor Hirohito. 1967, the Outer Space Treaty, which prohibits the placing of weapons of mass destruction on the moon or elsewhere in space, enters into force. 1973, Vice President Spiro T. Agnew, accused of accepting bribes, pleads no contest to one count of federal income tax evasion and resigns his office. 1985, U.S. fighter jets force an Egyptian plane carrying the hijackers of an Italian cruise ship, Achille Lauro, to land in Italy, where the gunmen were taken into custody. And 2018, stocks plunge as investors fear that rising interest rates and trade tensions could hurt company profits. The Dow Industrial Falls 831 points, the worst loss for the index in eight months. Somehow, the Republic survived. So take a deep breath a well, major U.S. airport's uh, website was uh, taken offline. The suspicion is pro-Russian hacking group has taken the credit. Airports in Atlanta, Chicago, Los Angeles, and other U.S. cities. Well, the websites of multiple airports were taken offline this morning with a pro-Russian hacking group saying, yeah, we did it. According to a bleeping computer, the group known as KillNet launched a, di- and, uh, a distributed denial-of-service attack, making the affected airports' websites unavailable. The affected airports include Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, Los Angeles International Airport, Chicago O'Hare International Airport. The attack does not appear to have impacted operations at the airports themselves. The airports didn't immediately return requests for comment, but... um The details are still coming out slowly. Killnet, which has uh, stepped up hacking efforts against countries that oppose Russia's war in Ukraine, previously claimed responsibility for attacks that targeted government websites in Colorado and Kentucky and Mississippi last week and Congress's website in July. Vladimir Putin seeks to compel the U.S. to stop providing military support to Ukraine by attempting to place pressure on Americans. A former Defense Intelligence Agency officer and author of Putin's playbook, Russia's secret plan to defeat America, says inflicting gradual pain by disrupting the normal functioning of the society as part of the doctrine. The goal is to reach the point where people get tired of inconveniences and demand that the U.S. government abandon Ukraine. Well, a massive explosion on Sunday heavily damaged the only bridge linking the Crimean Peninsula to Russia, dealing a major setback to Russian President Putin's war effort in Ukraine that might explain at least in part the Events that took place this morning here, the blast ripped off uh, one section of the 11-mile Kerch Strait Road and rail bridge, sending some pieces partly submerging into the sea and appeared to to set other uh, areas on fire. It's unknown who and what caused the blast, although Russian officials say a fuel truck blew up on the road. Messages on Twitter from Ukrainian officials suggest that the explosives may have been an attack carried out by Kiev. However, early uh, Sunday, or rather early Saturday. The Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine tweeted a parody video edit of Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday, Mr. President, over footage of the dismantled bridge erupting into flames. By the way, Friday was Putin's 70th birthday. Ukraine has not yet claimed responsibility for the attack. After all, they don't really need to. President Joe Biden issued a warning about a potential nuclear Armageddon at a fundraiser for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee on Thursday, saying we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. I don't think there is any such thing as the ability to easily use a tactical nuclear weapon and not end up with Armageddon, the president went on to say. It's been widely speculated that Russia could employ tactical nuclear weapons in an effort to turn the tide its war of aggression against Ukraine. Uh, Russian forces have been pushed back toward their own border in recent days, causing observers to wonder whether the Russian president may um, uh, in desperation turn to weapons of mass destruction. At a fundraiser, the president uh, of the United States called Putin a guy I know fairly well and said Putin is not joking when he's talking about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons as a solution to his military underperformance. President Biden suggested that his administration was still searching for a solution that would allow Putin to save face without ceding too much to the Russian leader. Where does he find himself in a position that he does not um, only lose face, but lose significant power within Russia? Asked the president rhetorically in the speech last month, Putin declared, I want to remind you that our country also has various means of destruction. And when the territorial integrity of our country is threatened, uh, to protect Russia and our people, we will certainly use all means at our disposal before promising that it was not a bluff. Well, the question is would Russia use a nuclear weapon? Well, Address that on another occasion, but we need to take a break and coming up, the conversation I had with Eric Metaxas, his book is Atheism Dead. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on ninety three point nine kpdQ.
1: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. as I mentioned earlier, I'm looking forward to a conversation with Eric Metaxas. He's written a new book. That's not surprising. He's always writing a new book. but in nineteen sixty six Time Magazine asked, is God dead? Some of you remember that. Others, maybe not so much. Half a century on, the question has changed. Well, the best-selling author Eric Metaxas takes Time's famous question and turns it around, is atheism dead? And he offers an entertaining, wide-ranging, and decidedly provocative answer. In a voice that is witty, muscular, poetic, he echoes C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton, and cheerfully and factually making his astonishing case that the belief in a creatorless universe is no longer logically tenable well Eric Metaxas is a a number one best-selling author whose books have been translated into 25 languages the host of a nationally syndicated radio show and the acclaimed conversation series Socrates in the city he is a prominent cultural commentator whose work has appeared in the New York Times the New Yorker the Atlantic and the Wall Street Journal he lives with his family in New York City today however he is ours at least for a short period of time by phone Eric Metaxas thank you so much for joining us
2: Georgina, it's an honor to join you. Thank you so much for in- inviting me. And I have to tell you, I am, I am more excited about this book than I've been about any book. And I'm not, you know, I'm not just saying that because it's my latest book. There's stuff in it. It's it's almost unbelievable, and that's kind of the theme of the book, right? That 1966 Time Magazine asks, "Is God dead?" And we've kind of bought into this cultural narrative, this secular narrative that God is you know, being replaced by science or whatever. And ironically, exactly the opposite has happened, except nobody knows about it. Because we live in a secular culture, Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff is not covered. So science has, over the last 50 years, been leading on an insane level to God through what's called the fine-tuned universe and things that we couldn't have known 50 years ago, 40 years ago. So the, so the irony is that the more we learn from science, the more scientists are astonished at what they find, and they say there is no way all of these things could have been calibrated so perfectly. They, we, we always thought that everything just happened, and here we are. Science is now dramatically making the case that everything, the universe, this planet, life, was designed, and it's so intricate and complex that you, you know it never could have just happened. And I thought, something needs to write about that. So that's why my book is, is Atheism Dead. Effectively, atheism is dead. If you want to be an agnostic, great. We can have a conversation. We can talk about, you know, our disagreements, whatever. But this idea that there is no God, that to me, mainly from the science, but from some other stuff that I go into in the book, I don't think it's intellectually tenable, and the new atheists were terrible apologists for for atheism. They basically uh, were very intellectually sloppy, and so I go into all of that, and and I think it's important for people of faith and people who aren't so sure what they believe to know, like, what we now know that you just haven't heard, because the news tends not to cover stuff like this, as Mm -hmm. you already know. Yeah. So
1: is atheism the default position if you are either unwilling to or not particularly interested in looking very deeply? Is atheism kind of the default position so I don't have to be bothered with questions like, why am I here and how things came to be?
2: Well, yes. And that that's why that's one of the ways, you know, that it's just silly. In other words, agnosticism is an honest reckoning. If somebody says, listen, uh, I have big questions. About your faith. I mean, I'm a Christian, right? So somebody says to me, I don't get this, I don't get that, that sounds crazy. How can you believe that? You can have an honest conversation with somebody. But there are some people that they're uncomfortable by even the idea that it might be real. So they say, I'm an atheist. Everything you say is stupid. Science is the only way we could know anything. Uh, logic is the enemy of religion. Uh, rationality is the enemy of faith, science is the enemy of faith, they don't work together. That is complete nonsense, and it's time that you say to somebody, listen, we can disagree, but here's something we cannot disagree on because it's a fact. Christian faith gave us Mm -hmm. modern science. That's a fact. You you, you can find many, many non-Christians who have written about this that it was christian faith that led to what we call the scientific revolution and and science you also have to reckon with the fact that you you have every great scientist who ever lived up until like the 20th century they were profound christians galileo kepler maxwell i mean on and on and on they were men of profound faith and they not only saw no problem between science and christian faith but they actually said I am glorifying God by examining his creation. And the more I discover, the more in awe I am of the God who made this. So that's another one of these kind of, you know, a lie, this, this myth that science is at odds with faith and faith. Is, it, it's, it, you know, it's not true. And then, as I say now, ironically, it's science itself that is pointing to God. I mean, that's that's a headline. That's a crazy thing that nobody saw coming. So that's why the book is titled "Is Atheism Dead. Hmm.
1: Well, talk a, a little bit about the abundance of new evidence that points back to the idea of a created universe. What are some of the big pieces of evidence that uh, God had his hand on creation? I, I think we need to be refreshed and encouraged by, uh, by some of these new developments.
2: Well, that's the thing is that even the stuff that's not new, no one's heard about it usually, so it, it's new to them. You know, like, for mm-hmm. example, the idea that the Earth, if the Earth were the tiniest bit bigger or the tiniest bit sm- smaller, we couldn't have a life on Earth. Now, most people think that's ridiculous. I've watched Star Trek. I've watched, like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Science tells us that the Earth's magnetosphere, most of us have never even heard of that. I hadn't heard of it until I wrote the book, that the magnetosphere of the Earth, if it weren't What it is, we would be like Mars, where the atmosphere has basically gone off into outer space. If the Earth were a little bit bigger than it is, uh, our gravity would pull down, you know, poisonous gases and things, and we wouldn't be able to have life here for that reason. That's one of the simplest things, and we've known that for some time, but nobody knows that. And that's one of dozens and scores and hundreds of things that no matter where you look, you see evidence of design, and to me, as I say, the big headline is that nobody knows any of this stuff. You talk to intelligent people of faith, and they go, "No, I never, I never heard that." I'll tell you one thing: um, Christopher Hitchens, the arch atheist, in a, in a rare moment of candor, because he could be really vicious and unyielding. Somebody put a camera in his face and said, "Hey, what's the most impressive argument from the God side of things?" And he said, "Oh, without any question, the fine-tuned argument—that's uh, the one that everybody on on our side says—is is the one that needs some working out. It's difficult, and you know that." And, and I thought to myself, "You know, he admits it, but when I put stuff out about the fine-tuned universe, atheists just say this is stupid. It's been disproven and stuff. It's like, well, n- not according to the smartest guy among you, Christopher Hitchens. So it really it makes people uncomfortable." Uh, there are things that are so crazy. Like I discovered that the planet Jupiter—it's the largest planet in the solar system. It's gigantic, right? But if you look in the night sky and you happen to know where it is, it is like a pinprick. It, you know, even if you find it, it's a little nothing. It's 400 million miles away, four times as far away as the sun. It's so far away. But we now know that that planet, which looks so tiny from here, it's so huge that its gravity pulls asteroids and comets and meteors toward itself so that they don't hit Earth. In other words, if it happened not to be there, and we kind of think, like, well, who cares about you know, Saturn and Jupiter? Well, who cares? Well, it, we now know from science, if they weren't there, there's no way life could exist on Earth, because the number of meteors and asteroids and comets that would hit Earth would it would it would be utterly impossible for life ever to exist, and now we know that from science that's not some Christian thing, but it goes on and on the size of the moon, the chemical composition of water, wherever science looks, it finds this kind of thing and it's mounted up to a level that I just think is just astonishing and that's only really one of the three arguments the first part of the book is science, and mm-hmm. those are there are three arguments and then I go into archaeology and the third part of the book I talk about atheism itself and why that doesn't make make sense. So there there's a lot there but I think a lot of it and this is what gets me excited it's going to be new to a lot of people. They're going to they're going to say hey I lived in a world where I didn't even know it was possible for science to to be reconciled with faith and now you're telling me science is pointing to faith like that that's going to take time to process, you know. Uh, but we need to begin processing this because I think it's a paradigm shift. I think we're at a time now where this information has has come out. It's going to continue to come out. And honest people have to deal with it. If you want to be an agnostic, that's great. But I don't think you can honestly say I'm an atheist. You can say I was an atheist. Now I'm an agnostic.
1: Well, let me ask you to whom this book is written. You're a bright guy. You've written lots of books. Is this for the rank and file reader? Is this more of an academic work? To whom would you recommend it?
2: Oh, I never write academic works, I always want to write to to anybody who likes to read books, because that's to me, the whole reason for this book is that people have not written popular level books on this subject. This is information that everybody needs to know. Anybody who reads books should know this stuff. And it has been relegated to, you know, more scientific type books or, or more apologetic type books that are, that are for people that are really into this stuff. I always write for, for you know, I would call it the average reader, somebody who wants uh, a fun read. I mean, I, I you know, I tell stories. A lot of the, for example, the archaeology books about biblical archaeology, they just tell you what's significant and why. They don't give you the context. They don't tell you the story. The stories of how some of these things were discovered that prove that the Bible is history. The stories themselves are hilarious, crazy stories, and it it makes it come to life. And so I think that's God's gift to me, is that I know how to communicate Mm -hmm. in that way, because I do think this information has to get past the experts. It has to get into the hands of everybody. And, you know, in the secular world, secular information is dispensed nonstop, but this is information that, for one reason or another, it just has not it hasn't been known, and it's, it's risen to such a crazy level. I said, I have got to put this in a book. People need to recalibrate and understand that we're, we're in a different world than we were in 1966 when, when the magazine said, is God dead? We're in a world where the only real question is, is atheism dead, and people need to know it.
1: Absolutely. Once again, the book is titled Is Atheism Dead? We're talking with Eric Metaxas. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments, but we need to take a break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
1: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Eric Metaxas is the author of a new book, Is Atheism Dead? It's divided into three parts. Does science point to God? The second sex, uh, section is The Stones Will Cry Out. And the third, What is Truth? in which he deals with, um, the fallout of atheism and what it uh, it means, why it's important for us to understand the answer to the question, is atheism dead? I want to start there uh, w- w- with the question that you pose, uh, and that is, is atheism evil? Is it important that we uh, uncover the underpinnings of atheism as being unreliable? And what difference does it make?
2: Well, that's a big question, <laughs> Georgine, but I tell you, before, before I, I answer that, let me just finish the answer to the last question because I, it, it dawned on me that I, I wrote that even though I wrote this book for you know like everyone, I always hope that Christians will get encouraged because they will learn this stuff and they will say, "Holy guacamole! My faith is ultra reasonable. Why did I ever even walk with the slightest doubt?" You know. But then I hope that they will they will think of people in their lives, maybe not atheists, but agnostics are people that just aren't sure what they think mm-hmm. and give it to them and say, look, this is, what the, this is what the facts say. This is what science says. This is what archaeology says. And most people have no idea about this stuff. They're blown away when they read it. And then so I didn't write it really for a Christian audience. I wrote it for people that, you know, they don't know what they think. But your question about whether atheism is evil, the reason I ask that is because when you look at the track record, of atheism, there's, there's two things that need to be said. The track record of atheism. Every atheistic state, North Korea, China, the Soviet Union, the Soviet bloc countries, they were cruel to the point of sadistic and and sick in the way that they dealt with believers. There seems to be almost like a satanic animus toward faith. It's not neutral. It's not like, well, we're secular, so we don't do religion. They seemed to to deeply despise people of faith and of course there's the practical reason is is that you know atheism is is a nice way to tell people you can't listen to a higher power you've got to listen to me the government you have no other place to go and so people who look to god are a threat to atheist regimes but it also needs to be said that when when you look at the story uh, of of atheism it's It's dark. People tend not to look at how bleak it is. They talk like, hey, I don't believe in God. Everything's great. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Thoughtful people, like smart, thoughtful people who really deal with the fact that maybe there's a world without God, they're not happy about it. They are troubled. They see it as bleak. They see the, the fact of it. Now, some of them are willing to confront it, like, you know, jean Paul Sartre and Albert Camus – uh, and others, uh, Woody Allen, the filmmaker, he always talks about, you know, there's, there's no God and, and how horrible that is. It, it, he, even he's not happy about it because they understand that it means that there's no meaning in the universe. It means that love is a fiction. Uh, it's a figment of our imaginations that, that transcendence, anything, beauty is nothing. Your life is worth nothing. If you're really rigorous and you look at what atheism is, it is horrifying. So I think we need to be honest that the bleakness of it is, is, is almost unbearable to any human being. So you have to, if you say you believe it, you're ultimately going to be living a lie because you cannot live as though those things are true. I mean, that leads to the Nazi death camps. That leads to things that are, that are nightmares. Most people, even the new atheists, when they argued about atheism, you, you know, in the book I say, why do you rage? as though any of this matters. If you believe there's no God, then it means you believe there's no meaning in the universe, although you're gonna argue and say, I can create my own meaning, which is you know, ridiculous. You can't, what, what, what is meaning if you can create your own meaning? But they say those things because they can't bear living what they say. What they say is nothing matters. Their lives don't matter. If that were true, they wouldn't even argue about it. They wouldn't try to convince you or me or people writing books. Even in their effort to communicate that atheism is true, they are proving that it's not true, which which is ironic and in some ways uh, comical. You know, that, that their, their, their rage shows that whether they like it or not, they're created for meaning. They're created for truth. They care about these things. If it were true that there are no God in the universe, they would just say, I don't care about anything. I don't care what you think. Uh, any more than I care what the stone thinks or the, or, or, or the tree uh, or the cup of water. You're meaningless. I'm meaningless. But no human being can live that out, which itself proves that, that real atheism is it's existent it's a, it's a silly concept. So if you want to be an agnostic, that's a different story. And I think a lot of people that think of themselves as atheists, either they just hate religion or they're actually agnostics.
1: Yeah, hating religion is probably at the core of a lot of what passes for atheism today. And I'm not sure people, uh, everyone understands what an agnostic is, that you don't know that there is a God. You're not declaring there is no God and I have proof or, you know, science contradicts that possibility. They're suggesting, I don't know. And that seems to be a more honest approach to dealing with uncertainty.
2: That's right. That's right. I, I, I think that if you say, I don't know, or if you say, I have all these kinds of questions, we can have a conversation. Yeah. But when you say, I know there's no God, there's no God, that's like saying, listen, uh, circles are square, let's have a conversation. I I can't really have a conversation with you if you believe that, if you believe one plus one equals three or one plus one equals whatever I want it to equal. You have to start somewhere. And because of what we now know from science specifically, I don't think you can – start from a position that there's there's no God. The evidence is so dramatic for design that even people that are not Christians or believing in the Bible, they, they've recognized it. They have understood that where we were 50 years ago, you could get away with that. You can't get away with that anymore. I mean, one of the my favorite parts of the book is where I talk about the emergence of life from non-life, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about evolution and that argument. We're just talking about Every scientist says 4 billion years ago, single-celled life emerged on Earth. And you say, okay, Mr. Scientist, if that's true and you're sure it's true, tell me, how did it emerge? How does life emerge from non-life? This is the simplest life, so it didn't emerge from another life. This is the simplest life imaginable. How did it emerge from non-life? And in 1950, some experiments created some amino acids out of some, you know, Whatever they said, that's the beginning, we you know, we're on our way to figuring it out. Seven decades later, and this is a couple of chapters in the book I write about this, seven decades later, they haven't moved the ball forward an inch. They science has led us to see more and more clearly that there is no way that you can go from non life to life. And so they're fudging it. They they're not declaring this, but I, I found a scientist, he's an amazing believer, genius. Uh, he he makes this very, very clear that they are totally clueless, but nobody really has the guts to talk about it because it's hugely embarrassing for the world of science that after they've been saying that they're on their way to figuring this out for 70 years, they are farther away than they were in 1952 when they made the declaration.
1: Hmm. Uh, we're just about out of time, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the fact that God crafted us. Uh, in the very likeness and image of himself and the implications of understanding the the creator and creation and that significant fact.
2: Well, that is uh, a a beautiful way to put it. Uh, It it is true, and it's amazing that God makes us in his image. And part of, you know, on one level, we don't know what that means, because, of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, God created the entire universe out of nothing. It's so far beyond us. But he gave us the ability to know him, to have a mind that can comprehend who he is and what he has done. And then he gives us the ability to create a civilization where we create science, where we can study him and see with more and more awe who he is and what he has done. When you examine creation via science, you get more respect and more awe and more fear of God. You say, who is this? And then you find out that God wants a relationship with me. That is mind-blowing. That is like the best news in the universe. And, you know, this is where science is pointing us. So to me, this is all very good news. I think it's a paradigm shift in the culture People uh, are no longer going to say, "Is God dead?" They're going to say, "Is atheism dead?" And most of them are going to know it, it is. And the only question is, you know, wh- what can we talk about? Let's talk about it. But uh, I, I have to say that just science alone gives you an appreciation for God that is really overwhelming. And that's one of the reasons also that I said I've got to put this in the book. People need to understand that there are things in this world that, that we've never thought about, like water. I have a whole chapter on water. I, I couldn't believe that I could get fascinated by how God designed water. I thought it's the most boring thing in the world. It is so <laughs> fascinating that it is just freaky stuff wh- when you realize what water is, what it does, why it has a particular viscosity, why it has a— but you just—who would ever think about this stuff? nobody. And yet scientists have thought about it. And a guy, Michael Denton, wrote a great book about it. And I, I, you know, I put it in a chapter. Water is one of the greatest proofs of God there is. But whoever talks about that, I said, well, it's about time we appreciated it.
1: Well, absolutely. I remember uh, being brought to tears uh, hearing a science presentation on the structure of the eye and how that demonstrated it could not have just sprung into being. Uh, Science can be fascinating. And I have to say, Eric Metaxas writes, to a general audience, it's uh, it's entertaining and readable, and can help all of us draw a bit closer to the truth. The book is titled "Is Atheism Dead?" Eric Metaxas. It is always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much.
2: My pleasure, Georgine. Thank you.
1: Uh, by the way, the book is uh, published by Salem Books and uh, currently available. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour, and we'll be
0: back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
1: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. I mentioned earlier in the program that the last day for any new Oregon voters to register for the November 8th general election is October 18th at 5 p.m. And postmarks do count. So you have to have that thing uh, postmarked no later than 5 o'clock p.m. October 18th. Voter registration cards can be found at the county clerk's office in uh, various places around the uh, the area and area post offices. Online registration is also available at OregonVotes.gov for those who have an Oregon DMV number. And if you have uh, a change of address or name, you have to submit a new voter registration card as ballots do not get forwarded. Absentee ballots are only needed for those who will be away from their homes, uh, their home address, and ballots will be mailed to all active registered voters in the, uh, in the county. Um, Between the 19th and the 25th of this month, individuals should wait until the 28th to contact the clerk's office if you haven't yet received your ballot. So keep that in mind. The clock is ticking. And yes, the midterm elections are actually approaching. There's been so much conversation about it. It gives you the impression that, you know, it's just a matter of conversation, but it's actually going to happen. There will be an election and Oregon will have a new governor shortly after uh, November 8th's uh, polls close. Well, in other news, United Methodists have for generations been a mainstay of the American religious landscape, one of the most geographically widespread of the major Protestant denominations, their steeples visible on urban streets and county seats and along country roads, their ethos marked by a firm yet quiet faith, simple worship and earnest social service. But the United Methodist Church is also the latest of several mainline Protestant denominations in America to start fracturing just as Episcopal, Lutheran and Presbyterian denominations lost significant minorities of churches and members this century with the debate over sexuality and theology. Well, in annual regional gatherings across the country earlier this year, United Methodists approved uh, approved requests rather of about 300 congregations to quit the denomination. That's according to the United Methodist News Service. Special meetings in the second half of the year are expected to vote on as many as 1,000 more, according to the conservative advocacy group Wesleyan Covenant Association. Scores of churches in Georgia, for example, hundreds in Texas are considering disaffiliation. Some aren't uh, waiting for permission to leave. More than 100 congregations in Florida and North Carolina have filed or threatened lawsuits to break out. Well, those departing are still a fraction of the estimated 30,000 congregations within the denomination alone, with nearly 13,000 more abroad, according to a recent UMC statistic. But large United Methodist congregations are moving to the exits, including some of the largest in Arkansas, Georgia, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Texas. The flashpoints, unsurprisingly, are the denomination's ban on same-sex marriages and the ordaining openly of LGBTQ clergy, though many see these as symptoms for deeper differences in views on justice, theology, and scriptural authority. Well, the denomination has repeatedly upheld some bans at legislative general conferences, but some U.S. churches and clergy have defied them. Well, this spring, conservatives launched a new global Methodist church where they're determined both to maintain... And to enforce such bans a proposal to amicably amicably divide the denomination and its assets unveiled in early 2020 has lost its once broad support after years of pandemic related delays to the legislative general conference whose vote was needed to ratify it. Well, now the breakup and the negotiations are happening piecemeal, one regional conference at a time. And in other news, Senator Sam Brownback wrote a column on whether or not big banks are chasing away religious organizations. And he shares his own experience with a nonprofit established and the fact that many churches are now being uh, turned away by some of the big corporate banks. He writes, testifying before the Senate last month, J.P. Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase, CEO Jamie Dimon, he spoke eloquently of what a wonderful country we live in and about the freedoms we enjoy. The CEO is quoted before the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs as saying we live in the greatest country in the world predicated on foundational beliefs in freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise and the sanctity of the individual and the promise of equality and opportunity for all. These core values are the fabric that bind us as Americans, where the best of what we are shines through, especially in times of adversity, end quote. Well, that sounds pretty good. But Senator Brownback says this, while I was glad to hear Diamond speak proudly of America and our freedoms, I'm concerned that his bank fails to live up to such lofty ideals. He referred to religious freedom as the foundational belief, but his bank recently decided to close the account of the National Committee for Religious Freedom. It's a nonpartisan, faith-based, nonprofit organization dedicated to defending the right of everyone in America to live one's faith freely. Well, the NCRF is a diverse organization. It represents people from every faith and walk of life. Our bipartisan National Advisory Board includes members who are Christian, Hindu, Jewish, Latter-day Saints, and Muslim. It's quite an organization, in other words. Well, after organizing as a nonprofit group, the executive director opened a bank account at J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. They chose Chase because of its national footprint and the multi-generational banking relationships. Three weeks after opening the uh, nonprofit business checking account, they received a letter notifying them that Chase had decided to end their relationship with the National Committee for Religious Freedom and that the account would be closed. The bank actually closed the account before they actually received the letter. Well, we were surprised at being canceled by Chase when our executive director called to see If this was an error, he was informed that a note in the file read that Chase employees were not permitted to provide any further clarification information to the customer. Why the cancellation? Why the secrecy? The lack of transparency? Well, that's still an open question. When Chase closed the account, it triggered a chain reaction that led to the other financial service accounts being closed and caused the fledgling organization to experience unexpected operational and financial challenges. Well, the decision to cancel was described by multiple Chase employees as one from the corporate office. It was initially explained to us by someone at Chase corporate office that the decision was final and non-revocable. To this day, it's not clear what the reason was and why the account was closed. What shocked the members most and surprised Senator Brownback the most was when someone from Chase eventually reached out to our executive director and informed him that it would be willing to reconsider doing business with the nonprofit if we would provide the donor list, a list of political candidates they intend to support, and a full explanation of the criteria by which we would endorse and support those candidates. It was entirely inappropriate to ask for this type of information. Does Chase ask every customer what politicians they support and why before deciding whether or not to accept them as a customer? Unfortunately, we do not believe this was the first time an organization has found itself facing sudden and unexplained account closures. Religious institutions, houses of worship, and people of all faiths should be greatly concerned that their business credit or even personal or private bank accounts could likewise be terminated for any or no reason at all. Since finding ourselves chased away, Senator Brownback goes on, we've begun to investigate if other organizations, public or private, have received similar cancellation letters from their financial service providers. The National Committee for Religious Freedom has launched a hashtag chased away campaign to invite comments and testimonies from others who may have found themselves canceled by financial institutions. If I were still in the Senate, he goes on to say, I certainly would be asking Diamond if he really meant what he said. Does he and the bank he leads truly respect religious freedom as a core value that binds America together? The recent actions of his bank would seem to suggest otherwise. We're going to follow that story as they seek to determine whether or not this is a practice that's being widely uh, imposed on would-be account holders or if this was just an isolated incident. The former Senator Brownback seems to suggest that he thinks this is more widespread than you might imagine. Well we are out of time. I do want to thank James Blend for producing, Sam Maupin for engineering, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great
0: night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show Podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show and like us on Facebook.